What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Then and Now Sports Podcast. Nick, we are going to talk about the NBA draft tonight and some other news and happenings around the NBA because with free agency and the season happening in one month, things are heating up and they're heating up fast. Let's start off with the NBA draft. This wasn't the draft that, you know, last year was with Zion Williamson coming out. Couple other drafts you could think of with the big guy at the top, Kyrie Irving, for example, back in 2011. Of course, LeBron James. This wasn't a draft where you had that one headlining star. You kind of had a mix of talent, and a couple of different guys could have went number one overall. But for this year, it was Anthony Edwards going to the Timberwolves. So, what are your takeaways from this pick? Was it a good pick to the Timberwolves? make the right call for their future, which is pretty much built around D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and now Anthony Edwards. Well, speaking to what you just said about that, that mix of talent, I think that mix of talent speaks to the depth of this draft. I think there's a lot of guys from the, the top of the first round to the bottom of the first round. Obviously, the, the level of talent, the, the ceiling of these players vary, but you know, there, there's a lot of talent to be ha- had in a lot of different areas in this draft. And I think that's what makes this draft, especially with the situation that's going on now, so much harder to evaluate and and, you know, choose a player to, to your liking. But but speaking on Anthony Edwards, um, you know, um, by many people evaluated as the top offensive threat in this draft overall, probably the cleanest offensive th- in this draft, you know, he, he has ability to drive to the basket. He has ability to, to attack you from all places on the floor. He has uh, tremendous perimeter shooting skills. So you're, you're looking at the closest thing to a full package on the offensive end in this draft. And he, he just has an explosive nature to this game, to his game that I think will complement well with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. So, yeah, I, I like this pick for the Timberwolves. I think something that's interesting, for when you look at the top three picks at least, Edwards is the only one who played a full season of college ball last year. LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman were not playing college ball last year. So, yes, they had tape on them, but it wasn't necessarily the type of tape that Anthony Edwards had. When you talk about 32 full games, he started all 32 games, averaged 19 points. I'm sure the other two were going to be solid prospects that you know earned their draft ranking but at the same time Edwards is a guy who put it all out there last year Wiseman pretty much had a year off after only playing three games LaMelo has been all over the place playing in different professional leagues which actually might be an advantage to him but let's talk about one other thing with Edwards now it was kind of a big deal coming into the leading into the draft uh this article that came out by Alex Scarborough from ESPN where Anthony Edwards goes into full detail about his background and what he thinks about basketball. He says, I'm going to try to give him the fairness that he deserves and try to read this for you and our listeners so that you guys can make the judgment for yourselves. But he says, I'm ready to get out of Atlanta, and that's where he lives. He says he doesn't think about being the first player taken. He'll be ready when the time comes. But other than that, I don't even care. To be honest, he says, I can't watch basketball. And his first love, he talks about how it was football. Something he might have... He says the story about how he first dunked the basketball and it signaled to him that he was talented and could accomplish something that he might not have been able to in football, which was his first love. 
So that's the direction he went. Simple as that. That's all I needed to see, he says. So when did he get into basketball? Now, are you ready for this one? I'm still not really into it, he says. I love basketball. Yeah, it's what I do. He's not entirely convincing. He says if he were drafted by the NFL tomorrow, he'd let basketball go. Because you could do anything on that field. He explains you could spike the ball, you could dance, you could do all type of disrespectful stuff. In the NBA, he says you can't do any of that, you'll get fined. Very interesting take. Now, I don't know if this should... Obviously, it didn't tank his stock, but a lot of people are talking about, hey, why is he drafted this high if his head's not even in it? I think at the end of the day, the talent rises to the top. He is a very talented player by all accounts, and I think he earned his spot by the talent, the production he put out there, the size, the athleticism. I think he did earn the spot, but it is definitely an interesting take to come out with a couple of days before the draft. What do you think? Um... I agree with you for the most part. I think that I I don't think this is uh, this is uncommon in like any field whatsoever. And I not I'm not sure why it's particularly different for sports. Like there are people who um enjoy other things more and they just happen to be naturally talented at at their particular skill. And there there's nothing wrong with that. Now I get the um the mentality of probably some of these scouts in front offices as they're evaluating this guy. Like, okay, if some of these other guys have high level of high levels of talent as well, and, you know, they they have a drive that exceeds, let's say, someone like Anthony Edwards, then maybe you would rather have that guy than Anthony Edwards. But I think he's proven more than enough through his resume up to this point that he definitely has the work ethic to um to succeed in the NBA. And I feel like if there were any more issues in that regard, coaches would be speaking out about it. There would be he certainly wouldn't have gone number one overall in the draft if the concerns were that high. So I definitely don't think it's it's anything to worry about. But I do I do get the the reaction to this. I I think it's somewhat justified, but I think that's more so because we're in a. We're talking about a field that's so heavy on competition, where competition is literally the area of focus of sports, more so than anything else in the world. Here's what I think could be an issue and could potentially flare up. I don't think this guy is going to come in and stink it up right away, but say he does play great and he lives up to the talent and he gets that first big contract. Is this where it starts to seep in that mentality of, man, I don't even really love this like that? I just got paid. What, what am I doing? I don't really got to put all I got into this. And I, I don't want to question the guy's work ethic because I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend an armchair and quarterback this like I know what he does in the gym. I know what, how he, hard he works out, all that stuff. I'm not going to say it. But based off this article, it, he says it straight up. He says, I can't watch basketball. So he's obviously not fully engaged with it as he is with football. So I would be a little concerned when you have to pay the guy and is he just going to take the contract and be happy with it or is he going to want more? Is he going to want to lead your team to a championship? Is this a guy you look at as a leader or is this a guy you're just going to use for his production, uh, which isn't a bad thing at all. If he can come out and ball out, I don't think the Timberwolves or him is going to care much about these comments in this article, but it is definitely, it was one of the more interesting things I've ever seen a prospect say a couple of days before the draft. And the fact that it didn't tank his stock at all is just as interesting. 
So moving on from. Oh, were you going to say something? My bad. Oh, OK, gotcha. Uh, moving on. Second and third picks now. James Wiseman to the Warriors, LaMelo Ball to the uh, Hornets. I'm sorry, I blanked on that. Uh, thoughts on those? Um, yeah, I, I think these are, are pretty self-explanatory picks. Like, um, the Warriors, that, that missing piece for a while has always been the big man. And, you know, questions raised last minute because of the um, unfortunate news that Clay Thompson... Um, suffered a severe injury and he's probably going to be out for a while as well. So yeah, that that's bad news for them, but I think they had a game plan going in to this draft. Okay. We, we really need this piece in James Wiseman and you, you can't really see that. You can't really say they went wrong with that because that this guy's immensely talented, even though he only played, played three games at the college level. he, he is one of the most skilled big men to come out of the draft in recent years. And that's just been the missing piece for, for the Warriors through these, even even in their championship runs, even when they had Andrew Bogut, that, that has been the piece that's eluded them over this time. So that's that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, On the other side with um, Lamelo Ball and the Hornets, the Hornets are pretty much in, in full rebuild mode at this point. You know, they... They're trying to get production every everywhere they can. So LaMelo Ball, in that case, he brings a, a young prospect to the table with great scoring ability who has a very high ceiling moving forward. And if you can cultivate all the talent that LaMelo Ball has into real actual production, he could be a star in this league for a long time. And that that being said, I can definitely see where where um the hornets are thinking in terms of him so are we ready for the lavar ball versus mj one-on-one for charity game what when exactly does that go down i mean it could happen i mean lavar might might go into the spotlight again he might like he is on michael jordan's team his son is on michael jordan's team so it's gonna be very interesting to see how that plays out Maybe not in a basketball sense, but in a in a first take sense. How many first take appearances um, Lavar Ball is gonna rack up over the next few months? But we'll see. Maybe you know he he's been out of the spotlight for a while. Maybe maybe he has a different approach to things now. But I'm not sure. Another thing I saw really interesting: uh, the Ball brothers, Lonzo and Lamelo. The only brother combo in NBA history that both went top five. So that's definitely, I mean, LeVar definitely has to be proud. Both of his sons made it to the league. And I know he's a character, but just speaking for a guy who's a father, it definitely is a great moment for him. Uh, yeah. Now let's move on to the Knicks now. Uh, we have to talk about the Knicks. True. And this year... They, I haven't gauged much of the reaction. It seems like it's a bit mixed. But this year, they take Obi Toppin, who led Dayton on that great run last year. Dayton had a real shot to win the tournament last year, and he was the main piece, averaging 20 points a game. He had 7.5 rebounds. He had a very good season. They got him at 8. Do you like the pick? Listen... Um, I gotta be honest with you. Coming into this draft, Obi Toppin was my favorite player out of 
out of the list of players, the the list of immensely talented players in this draft. And it's just because of his story. It proves how hard he works. And you tie that in with now the story of him playing for his hometown team. Of course, he is from New York City, as um, people know. And you could just see the passion in the interview um, after he got drafted by the Knicks. And listen, he he's so explosive. He um he he is a monster in the post. He is a monster when he gets close to the rim. He brings a lot of energy. And if some of this energy can can rub off on the New York Knicks franchise, then I think it's a, it's going to be a good direction for them to go through. Now, the criticism is that, listen, the Knicks don't need another forward. And listen, from from what um, Woj was talking about during the NBA draft, what, what I've seen, all indications on Twitter and rumors, this was their guy. And if that and if you have a guy you truly believe is going to be special, you got to chase him regardless of what position he plays and, and and so forth. So as as far as people not liking the pick or liking the pick, I, I definitely lean to the side of liking this pick for the New York Knicks. Yeah, there was talk today that the Knicks were going to try to trade up for him. And he ended up falling to eight. They, I, I saw they were talking with the Bulls at four and trying to move up to four. So very interesting pick by the Knicks. It's a pick they obviously wanted, and they're happy they got him. Just some other picks to round out the top ten so we don't skip over everything. Patrick Williams to the Bulls at four. Isaac Okoro from Auburn to the Cavs at five. I'm not going to even try to say this name. Okungowu, maybe? Maybe I might have got it okay. From USC goes to the Hawks. Killian Hayes from France to the Pistons. Of course, Obi Toppin to the Knicks. Denny Avidija. Again, I, I can't with these names. They're pretty ridiculous right now. But he went to the Wizards. Jalen Smith rounds out the top 10, goes to the Suns. Now, after this, this is where we get into the sleeper territory. I guess because the NBA is different from the NFL and the MLB because once you get after a certain pick, the cliff kind of falls off and you kind of see the dip in talent. And that's not to say that guys like Cole Anthony and Cairo Lewis aren't going to step up and be great players. But if we've seen the trends from recent NBA draft, we know that once you get to the lottery after the lottery, it's usually not getting the best players. So who are some guys you're looking at as, as some sleeper guys? Maybe guys who didn't get all the hype that guys like Edwards and Wiseman had, but are going to turn out to be great players. Well, to, to, to comment on what you just said, I think in recent years, it's actually been a different trend. I think you're seeing more guys later in the draft um, come out and, and, and producing at a high level, or maybe that's not the correct way to put it. Like I, I would say being at the top of the draft class um, as far, unless you're like a generational talent that's recognized like Zion Williamson or, or someone maybe not exactly of that elk, but definitely viewed as one of the best like picks in the draft, no doubt. But like, like you seen like in the second round, just, just to pull out a name, um, Nikola Jocic was drafted in the second round recently. Um, Giannis, even though not a second round pick, drafted in the mid first round. Kawhi Leonard, also drafted mid first round. So th- there's definitely so- some talent to be had. It's just a matter of developmental 
and and really cultivating these players into something special. Now, as far as sleepers in, in this draft, I I think the big one that people are talking about right now, and and I'll also get on board with this is um R.J. Hampton, who um goes to the Nuggets and the Nuggets recently, um these these past two drafts at least, it, I don't know why I'm blanking out if Michael Porter Jr. was drafted last no it was the year before because he was injured right um but yeah Michael Porter Jr. drafting him and now drafting R.J. Hampton they're really in the later first round. They're really finding some raw talent that they can really bring into their team, bring into the fold, and and, and make an impact right away. R.J. Hampton was the fifth-ranked um, prospect, high school prospect, in 2019. Obviously decided not to go to college. Um, that was a big story. And now he's the 24th pick in the NBA draft. Five-star recruit out of high school. Tremendous athleticism, tremendous talent that you could see will translate to the game right away. And I, I really like this pick for the Nuggets. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who, another guy who led his team on a pretty unexpected run, like Obi Toppin did with Dayton this year. I'm going to go Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. And as we remember from a couple of years ago, he led. Oregon through that crazy Pac-12 tournament was named the MVP of that tournament gets them to the sweet 16 and they fall just short but that was a magical run and he comes back as a senior and average 20 points a game goes to the Celtics and I, I like this kind of player that the Celtics are getting they're getting these annoying players I feel like it's one of those players you like go up against and it's like, like come on man and I see him and Daniel Tice as one of them I, I watched Daniel Tice all through postseason this past past couple months, I was just thinking like how annoying it must be to go up and play against him because he's just nonstop, all in your face, doesn't run doesn't run away from contact, very physical player, and I kind of see similarity with Pritchard, just a, a a guard version of that, and he's a guy who could shoot, shot forty one percent from three this year. I'm pretty excited what the Celtics are doing. I think Peyton Pritchard is a pretty good pick. Yeah, and to add to that, I think um, adding a perimeter threat on the bench is going to be huge for them. If if he produces like he did in college, you know, their their main perimeter threat coming off the bench was Marcus Smart, and that's it. They didn't really have a lot of guys who who could threaten you in um, versatile ways um, last season. So I think he he's definitely going to bring that element to the team, and with Gordon Hayward possibly being on his way out they're probably going to need that more than ever so yeah i i I like that pick too any other sleepers before we wrap up on the draft or you all set um you know i i was thinking about writing an article so maybe i'll save some of these other ones for for the article yeah yeah i think a little teaser yeah you know if if you want to hear more about it check soon for the article hopefully i have time to do it I don't want to make any promises, but yeah, I I hope I can get to that. All right. I like it. Well, let's move on to, wow. Actually, I was just about to talk about trades and I'm just looking through my phone and just make sure I didn't miss anything else. Oh yeah. Before I saw we get it into the, uh, the big ones that happened, Philadelphia is now trading Josh Richardson to Dallas. The guy they picked up last year thought he was going to be a big piece of their run and he was okay. I don't think he was a bad player, but I don't think he 
was that missing piece that they were looking for. Now he goes to Dallas and Seth Curry goes to Philadelphia in return. So pretty interesting. But let's talk about the two biggest trades. Let's start off with Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns, who we all remember the Suns on that magic run in the bubble. Go 8-0, but still get sent home. Pretty incredible to go on that crazy of a run and not get rewarded for it. But now they feel like they're ready to go. And they acquired Chris Paul. They traded Abdel Nader. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Abdel Nader went along with Chris Paul to the Suns. The Thunder received Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio. They traded Ricky Rubio tonight, too, as well. Ty Jerome, Jalen Locke, and a 2020 first, 2022 first-round pick from the Suns. So the Suns sending a message. They believe they're a playoff team, and they believe Chris Paul will help them get to the playoffs and be a team to be reckoned with. So what are your takeaways from this trade? Well, um, well, before that, I want, I want to actually make a small comment on the Seth Curry trade because we all know the 76ers' um, big um, ailment. I guess you could call it is their lack of shooting presence presence. So Daryl Morey's getting on that right away by adding Seth Curry. But yeah, the CP three trade is the highlight of the off season so far in terms of an actual deal being done. And, you know, I, I think both teams benefited very well from this. Um, you know, the Suns were, were feeling very confident in their team following their, their bubble play in which they went undefeated so they were like, okay, we need to immediately surround Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden with, with, with players of a higher caliber. And CP3 is exactly that. He's been consistent throughout his career. He, even um, in, in this late stage of this career, he, he looks to be um, one of the top point guards in the league. So, yeah, and, and, and Chris Paul just makes everybody around him so much better, as we saw last year with the Thunder. Or, or last season, I should say. It was so recent. Um, but the Thunder, on the other hand, just just stacking up picks, stacking up capital. And I, I wrote about this, too, um, in, in the um, Chris Paul article I wrote. Um, like, people, people look at, at draft picks solely as the capital. And I think this offseason should make it very clear to people that players are also capital. Okay? Players can be moved very quickly. Players can be bounced around very quickly. And I even mentioned players like Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio. You can keep them and possibly, you know, make a playoff run um, while, while you're rebuilding or even trade them away from war picks if you want. And they did exactly that with Ricky Rubio. Rumor has it that they might do the same with Kelly Oubre. So even though they, they already have 17, a maximum of 17 first round picks through 2026. Um, you know, I- including the picks they got from the Al Horford trade today, w- which we could also talk about. Um, yeah, the the Thunder Sam Presti is is just killing it, and this rebuild could be one of the most massive overhauls we've seen in modern NBA history. I'm a bit concerned with the Suns. Actually, I feel like. They still are a move or two away from being a legitimate Western Conference team because we have to remember the Western Conference is a very good conference. Now, I guess OKC still going back to the rebuilding stages. Maybe they'll fall off, but I don't see maybe I guess the Grizzlies fall out. I mean, the Grizzlies actually didn't make it. It was the Blazers, but 
But those are like the teams that they'll be fighting with for that playoff spot. And I don't know. I, I think there's still a lot of talent in this Western Conference. I think there may be another move or two away. Maybe a key bench guy. How about you get Danilo Gallinari, who was with OKC and Chris Paul last year. I think there's still a, a move or two to be made for the Suns to be a legit playoff team. I think um, Jalen Smith, their pick, their pick tonight, is really going to help them out immediately, too. I, I think... Um, even though they're not, it's not the same exact kind of player as Kelly Oubre, who they traded away. I, I think he brings a lot of those, those same attributes, I, I would say. Um, even though it's a different position, you know, powerful, it's a small forward. Like he, he has an ability as a bigger guy to, to shoot from the perimeter. He gets a bunch of rebounds, you know, he, he is, pro- he, he stacks up numbers, um, offensively on, on all facets of the game. So. Yeah, I, I think that's going to help in, in solidifying this offense. But you have that core of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. And I think Chris Paul is going to make it a lot easier for Devin Booker. And especially DeAndre Ayton with, um, with Chris Paul's passing ability and his ability to draw the defenders. It's going to be very interesting to see them play together. And I think it's going to mesh well. I will say I do like the pick and roll potential with Chris Paul, DeAndre, and Devin Booker. That sounds like a pretty scary trio to have to account for all three of those guys at the same time. Moving on, we got one other trade to discuss and one other potential trade. That's probably the biggest one we're going to leave for the last segment. But Drew Holiday to the Bucks, And this was a pretty big deal. And it was also, we also thought Bogdan Bodanovich was going to the Bucks as well. That kind of got pushed back today. It wasn't an official deal. Bodanovich is going to head to free agency as a restricted free agent, a restricted free agent, and we'll see how where he turns up. But the Kings did uh, have a lot of de- guys they could have got from that deal, but that deal is no longer. Now let's get to Drew Holiday, though. Drew Holiday is being traded from the Pelicans. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to bring up the like exact deal. Oh, here we go. Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks. So one of them they got tonight, uh, 2021st from Indiana. This is a big one. This is one that's crazy to me. Unprotected first in 2025 and 2027. So unprotected picks. Now, what happens if Giannis leaves? Well, if that happens, the Pelicans will be picking very high in those drafts, more likely than not. What are your takeaways from this trade? This is this is a pretty big one. It's going to help the Bucks out in the short term. Yeah, it's going to help the Bucks out in the short term, and I think the the message in this in this trade for the Bucks is okay. We're trying to win. Well, there's two messages, I guess. Okay, we're we're trying to to win a championship this year. You know, we're we're not letting it slip away like like we did in the bubble. We're not gonna we're not gonna have any of that that um. That inconsistent nonsense that that we saw in the bubble. We are going to make sure our our roster is solid, and we have playmakers all over the place who can do many different things for us. And the second thing it says is, we have no intention of letting Giannis leave Milwaukee at all. Um, if you're putting that much stock, your your future stock, in in the fact that you're still going to be a competitive team, you know that that. You, you can sign Giannis and then you're going to be a contender for the title basically each and every year after that. I, I think that's what this trade says overall. 
I think they definitely become a legit contender. I mean, I mean, they were a legit contender coming in, but when you talk about teams like the Celtics and the Heat that gained a lot of confidence from this playoff run, you get a, you get a pretty nice upgrade on Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday. And I wouldn't say it's size, but this is a really big trade. So, like, there's a lot of pieces, uh, key players that are being players and picks that are sent here. And you would normally expect this for a bigger player. But, I mean, Drew Holiday is a very solid player. Great defensive guard. He can definitely help you with guarding guys like Kemba Walker and Goran Dragic from the Heat. All those guys. Ben Simmons, possibly, as well. He's going to have to be tasked with guarding these guys. So I do think it was a good move for the Pel- the Bucks. I think it's gonna. F- I think it was a good move for the Pelicans as well. You get a guy like Drew Holiday, who, as great as he is, you know the future in New Orleans is Zion, it's Lonzo, it's Brandon Ingram. Drew Holiday necess- isn't necessarily a part of that long haul idea. And when you get unprotected first in 2025 and 2027, and this is five years from now and seven years from now. We don't know what's going to happen. Giannis can maybe resign and then force his way out by 2025. We don't we don't know. So it was a it was a ballsy move to say the least by the Bucks to put their almost uh, not mortgage their future. There's still picks they got and they'll be fine in 2024, 2026, but still those are some key firsts to give up for a guy who may only be a part of your team for a year to 3 years. Um yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely a risk, but I think when they when they weighed the risk of okay, we lose all these draft picks, we end up we end up not performing to the level we do, and they weighed that risk against okay, if we lose Giannis, then we're just screwed in general. We are not getting a player of that caliber probably in in a long time because Giannis is definitely a once in a generation talent. So, I think that's the risk they weighed and. You know, you mentioned key players like Eric Bledsoe, George Hill being chipped off. Eric Bledsoe kind of he it was supposed to be that that third scorer on that team, um, alongside Giannis and Chris Middleton, but it didn't materialize in that way. He kind of fell off a little bit. And George Hill definitely a valuable player as well, but Drew Holiday, um, takes it to another level in all areas of the court. So yeah, Drew Drew Holiday. But, like he he brings a lot like that de- acclaimed on defense by um by a lot of his peers um he can average 20 points per game on his own people often forget about that he averages above 50% um in two point range so he he is definitely he's definitely a guy who can um create points for you in many different ways or possibly steal points in his defensive play well, let's finish it off with this one. We all know the big looming storyline in the NBA right now is what's going on with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Now, Russell Westbrook was, I believe he was the first one to, I guess, not publicly, but I guess in the public sphere to like, I think Woj reported, all Shams reporting, Russell Westbrook wants out. And shortly after that, we see, I'm going to quote uh, your guy, Pooch, who covers the Nets. He yes. was one of the guys who broke the, the Kyrie and KD details. He said that multiple league sources believe there's a verbal agreement between the Nets and Rockets that would bring James Harden to Brooklyn. Now, this was, what, a day or two ago, so it hasn't been confirmed yet, obviously. But it, it seems like Harden 
might have forced his way out and, and is definitely trying to, as is Westbrook. You're the Nets guy here. Talk to me about how this impacts the Nets, and I'll, I'll bring it back to the Rockets and what their future looks like. Well, Harden is only one half of the equation, obviously. The other half is how much the, the Nets are going to have to give up to get him. So let's, let's say the verbal agreement is there. Everything is supposedly done. Um, I'm just wondering how much we're going to be left with. So I, I would have to assume if not Kyrie, Karis LeVert is involved in this deal in some way. Picks are involved in this deal. The, the, the Nets actually acquired Landry Shamit today from the Clippers. And I found that to be an interesting move. And that could have implications in the trade as well if it's really heading in that direction. So there's a lot of question marks. But hey, if if we're getting James Harden on this team, it, it's very hard to, to be mad at. Like, obviously, you want to have that depth. And these players have been with the franchise, um, homegrown with the franchise. So you definitely have a connection to these players as Nets fans, but you got to ask yourself if you, if James Harden can get you a ring, is it worth it? And I would say yes. Now, obviously there's, there's question marks as to how these players will mesh together and, and so, and so forth. But like, I really can't see, um, KD and Harden having any problems. And if Kyrie feels like he is, on a legitimate championship team, I think he he would probably fall in line as well and and com- and bring his full commitment to the team. So so yeah, I it, it's tough, but I, I'm I'm with it. If we're going all in, let's go all in. So the mesh is an interesting point. Before I get to the Rockets, Harden and Kyrie, two ball dominant guys, and you got a guy in KD who can just as easily bring the ball up the court and run the offense. So that is going to be a bit interesting to see whether Harden and Kyrie can coexist. And not, and I'm not talking about personality wise, because I know everyone likes to crap all over Kyrie for the personality stuff. But of I'm course. just talking about on on the court. I'm like, can both of these guys deal with not being the primary ball hander? And I guess they both had a taste of it. Well, not Kyrie, but I'm Harden definitely had a taste of it with Westbrook this year. So maybe maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit, and they'll be just fine. And to have three talent players that talented definitely makes them the favorite in the East, 100%. But now let's get to the Rockets. I do not believe they should make this trade unless they get a ridiculous haul from the Nets. And that includes Karis LeVert. It includes Dinwiddie. It probably includes Jared Allen, too, because they don't have a big man. I think you want all three of those guys. And then I want a bunch of picks as well. And I think they have to do this. And I think they have to stand firm in getting a big haul for him. Now, James Harden has every right to want to be out of Houston. He doesn't have to like to play in Houston. He doesn't have to never use his ability to try to get out there. He has that right. But the Rockets also have the right to stay firm and not just completely get bullied into a deal that may not work for them. They have to stand firm, and here's why they have to stand firm. Because they went all out for Russell Westbrook last year. When they traded Chris Paul, they also traded four picks. Their 2024 first-round pick, which is protected one through four. Their 2026 first-rounder, also protected one through four. And then two pick swaps in 2025 and 2021. So 
if you trade Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, those picks are probably going to eventually roll over to OKC and maybe they won't get them right away, but they're going to get those picks. So it's like if you're rebuilding, you're not really rebuilding because you don't have your picks and you, you're going to be a bad team more likely than not. And you're still not going to have your picks. So it's not going to even be a true rebuilding effort. So that is why I think there's no way they should take anything less than what James Harden is worth. So they have to get, they have to get two, they have to get two hundred cents on the dollar. Like they, they can't just take any deal. They can't just say Harden can't just be like, well, I want out, and this is why. And they'll be like, okay, let's just do it just to get rid of him. Now I know Brooklyn's his preferred destination, but I see a deal with Philadelphia to reunite him with Daryl Morey. Maybe like a guy like Ben Simmons traded for James Harden. Now we're talking. Ben Simmons plus whatever picks you have. Yes. Now we're really getting into a, a way better deal than what the Nets can offer, in my opinion. I think the Nets, I th- I mean, you would think, it, I mean, I don't think the Nets are trying to move on from Kyrie. And you would also think, does Houston really want Kyrie? Because if they're going to go full rebuilding mode, maybe Kyrie's not the guy they want to build around just because he's a bit older. Ben Simmons is a guy who's still young, despite having played in the league for a couple of years. And I think that would be better suited for their efforts. So you're stuck with Westbrook and Harden who are unhappy, it seems, right now. If you don't get your value, I personally, if I was running the show with Houston Rockets, I would not trade them. I would hold firm until... Listen, these guys got plenty of time on their deals, too. It's not like Harden's going to be a free agent anytime soon. Neither is Westbrook. So unfortunately, they don't have the real leverage. And... I think for that reason, the Rockets should be open to trading him. They 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 haven't come up, they haven't been successful in the way they wanted to be. They came, had a couple Western Conference Finals appearances and came up short. But at the end of the day, they, they still have already mortgaged their future on these two guys. So you might as well keep trying to get a championship. Don't give up just yet. There's only one year of them together. So it's not like these guys are incapable of winning together. They only played one year together. And of course, with OKC, they played a couple other years. But I don't know. For for me, I, I think Houston just has to hold firm here. Well, I think their concerns are more with the um, the front office change and what that means for the franchise as a whole. I, I think that's their concern. But on top of that, I think, well, while talking about the Nets and their ability to provide something, for um for James Harden, um it it's been said through reports. I, I forgot. I wish I could cite the name right now, but I forgot. They, but it was definitely reported, um that the Nets threw a lot at the Rockets, and if there is a verbal agreement in place, we have to assume that it was enough for the Rockets to say, um bye to James Harden and, and send him off to Brooklyn. So we're we're gonna have to see how it all plays out if these things are true or if if there's some inaccuracies there but i I don't know can i ask you something real quick can i ask you something sorry to cut you off yeah but what's up harden for karis levert dinwiddie and jared allen is that really enough with all the picks to throw as many that's a lot of talent that Didn't is, we, but it's it, but it's James Harden. This isn't a guy who this is an MVP of the league. This is a guy I, who can average, who almost averaged forty points a game. You, he was at thirty five a couple of times. You get two guys who can average twenty points a game, ha, have that ability. One of them is still young and upcoming, probably hasn't even hit a ceiling yet, 
And I would say the same thing in regards to Jared Allen. You have a guy who really came into his own last season, a terrific rebounder, bulked up a lot, um, played tremendous defense on ball and at the rim. Like, I, I don't understand how, how that wouldn't be enough. If you were going to get a package, you're, you're getting a, a slew of young players um, who, who are signed, by the way, for, for multiple years. I Actually, I don't know about Jared Allen's contract, but Karis LeVert is signed. Actually, I think Dinwiddie has one more year left, but he, he's on a cheapened deal anyway, so you would get him for cheap, and you would probably have more cap space to go after who you want. So you there, there's definitely a lot of benefits for the Rockets to make that deal, and we're not even talking about if picks are involved or what else the Nets could possibly throw at them because, honestly, the, the way it's been described, they, they threw a lot at, at the Rockets for this deal. Listen, it, the Nets are definitely giving up a lot, but let's also be real. Those picks are probably going to suck. They're probably going to be mid to late, probably late first round picks because the Nets, if you have these three guys together, they're going to be a solid team, or not a solid team, a great team. And we have to also look at Harden is turning 31 this year. He's still got plenty of prime basketball left. And this is coming off three straight seasons in which he's led the league in scoring and averaged 30 points a game. I think Houston, I guess they don't think so. And I guess Harden and Westbrook don't think so. And I'm pretty sure 95% of the NBA media doesn't think so. But there's a championship window here. And I believe you still have to get another piece more likely than not. I'm not saying this team is ready to win a championship next year. There's probably more work that needs to be done. But then when you trade away guys like Covington, I mean, that shows that they're they're ready for this rebuild. And I just don't see why... Why now? I guess getting rid of Daryl Morey is enough to want to blow up your franchise. But man, I I still see a talented team here and I see a guy in Harden who can still get better. Well, when you remove the general manager, um, when another general manager comes in, um, there's a chance that that general manager usually doesn't like what the general manager before him did and they want to do what they want to do. So I, I think there's definitely an element of of that in there. You know, maybe he doesn't believe that that this framework with James Harden. Also, we didn't even talk about Mike D'Antoni leaving as well. That that's another level of instability added in terms of Harden wanting to leave. Maybe the Rockets organization wanting to start over. So there, there's a lot of different factors at play. And I think there's. There's reasons why the the Rockets would want to move on, but Harden wanting to go as well is definitely exasperating it and, and speeding up the process. Well, should be fun to see this all play out. The NBA free agency period is going to be fast because the season starts literally a month from now. So a lot of moves to be ha- had over this next month. Nick, this is a fun podcast. Anything else you want to say before we sign out? Um, no, I I think I'm good. All right. Well, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening and hope you guys have a good night. Good, Good weekend. Peace.